Here's what's going on this week at ALCF. Our world needs strong, consistent, integrity-infused leaders. There have been an awful lot of times where I've been scared, cold, things are going wrong, that everything slows down, and life becomes about relationships and life and death. How we use our power is the measure of our leadership. If we don't allow our ideas to be iterated upon, we're going to miss out on the really meaningful solutions. You and I, we're more than the worst thing that we've ever done or the worst thing that's ever been done to us. Diversity adds tremendous value when we have different generations represented. Be sure to register at the contributor station after service or online at alcf.net forward slash GLS19. In the new Equipping Center class, The Foundations of Christian Life, Pastor Brian will help you develop a basic foundation for what it means to be a true follower of Christ. Join us starting August 20th through November 19th from 7 to 8 p.m. for what promises to be a memorable experience. The Bridge is our monthly night of music and sharing with a focused message about recovery. Join us as the band Isaiah leads us in a time of worship and praise, along with special guest speaker Kevin Boss, who will share an inspiring message. This event takes place on Saturday, August 3rd, from 6.30 to 9 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. ALCF is partnering with Compassion Network on the Smart Start Backpack Drive, providing backpacks of much-needed school supplies to 60 homeless and low-income kids in the Bay Area. You can help by grabbing a bookmark from the contributor station or by going to alcf.net forward slash backpacks and placing filled backpacks in designated bins in the ALCF lobby from August 4th through the 11th. To sign up for any of these upcoming events, go to alcf.net slash signups or check out the ALCF app. And remember, abundant life exists to make a better you for a better world. Heavenly Father, we do stand in awe of you. What a wonderful God we serve. God who created heaven and earth, but still has care for every one of our individual needs. Knows every hair on our head that falls. You know the inner desires of our heart, the pain. Lord, we come to you because it's not by might or by power. In our own human strength, we achieve nothing. We need a supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit. We need that oil of gladness every day, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We come to you in brokenness. We come to you with all the pain. Anything that we prayed for earlier, we want to continue to remember Nijith and Swetha, Jacob, and the many needs around this body. But know, Lord, that you are with us. Thank you for bringing us again. I pray that you would keep me humble now, Lord, as we open up your word and understand what it means to be a light in this dark world. Speak through me, Lord, that somebody here, any one person, even if it's just one person, would go away encouraged. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Abundant Life. How are you today? I hope your summer is going well. And you're encouraged. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I want to speak today uh, on the topic that is the, um, the title of a song that we all, that many of the kids sing in Sunday school. It's become a very popular song over the hundreds of years. This little light of mine, who knows the rest? I'm going to let it shine. We've been talking all through this month about what it means to be a light in this world. Somebody named Brother Zach Poonin, who stole my last name, started off this series four weeks ago. Okay, for those of you who are new for the first time, before there was a Sanjay, there was a Zach. He's my dad. But, um, and uh, we praise God for him. Um, speaking about this, I want to reiterate some of that. In the last two Sundays, uh, Brother Gary's been talking about this same topic. By the way, can we give Brother Gary and Sister Beth, Pastor Gary, a hand? We're just so happy that he joined us. Pastor Gary, it's like a, a year, and it seems like I've known you for 40 years, but you're only 35. So, and I think every one of you who have known him, got to know him, and his heart of service can attest the same thing. We're just blessed by you and your four children. Uh, what a way that God's brought you through Ohio and Boston and here in California. So we pray that the Lord has a wonderful plan with you and us for years and years to come. So it's good to honor our pastors and, and leaders and those who serve in the house of the God, and I'm grateful for that. But coming back to this message, we heard four weeks ago, and I want to start there because it's good for us to refresh a little bit of the context of this, that there were many titles that Jesus talked about, I am the XXX. In fact, I counted, and there are seven times that Jesus said in the Gospels, actually, actually all of it, I think maybe all of it is in the book of John, I am the XXX. But there's one, okay, that after he left, he left something special for us to also assume. I just want you to just review a few of the other ones that he says, I am the bread of the life, as we know in John 6, 35. Uh, you shall never hunger. He who comes to me believes and never hunger. And he who uh, comes to me believes and never thirst. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11, who gives his life for the sheep. John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We all know that verse. No one comes to the Father but through me. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. And number six, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me will have much fruit. John 15, 5. So six times you hear these words, I am the, I am the. But none of us can today say, it would be an abomination to say, I am the vine. No, that's a place that's reserved for Jesus. None of us can say, I am the resurrection and the life. No, that's reserved for Jesus. None of us can say, I am the good shepherd. That's reserved for the Lord. We're the sheep who follows. But the seventh one here, there's something special. There's a promise. And I think it's incredibly applicable that we are studying that this last four weeks. In John 8, 12, we know this because we've been studying this all these last four weeks. It says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So all of us and most Christians, as we heard four Sundays ago, stop there because they believe. And if you go and search on YouTube, you'll find thousands of sermons titled, 
I am the light of the world, says God, says Jesus. That's true. And there's darkness in the world. But then when you look at three other scriptures, you see something that's very, very, very special. That is an incredible promise for every one of us. Let's look at them one at a time. And you have to put scripture in scripture. The beautiful thing about scripture is when you compare one to the next, to the next, to the next, you actually see this incredible pearl necklace that comes together. So let's look at John 8, 12, we heard, I am the light of the world. So that applies to Jesus. But then in John 9, 5, Jesus says this. Okay, listen carefully. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay. Jesus said first, I am the light of the world. Next he said, while I am in the light of the world. Okay. So the next question, obviously, if you just follow that, is, is Jesus still in the world? Let's look further. John 17, 11. I am no longer in the world. We know he's risen to heaven. I'm coming to you again. I'm coming to you, the Father. So he left the world. And here's the killer verse, Matthew 5, 14. Jesus turns to his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Do we get that? When Jesus was on earth, he said, I am the light of the world. Okay. I am now gone. You are the light of the world. So while we can never say, I am the vine, I am the resurrection of the life, I am the door, the way, and the truth, I am the bread of life, that would be sacrilegious for us to say that. How many of you can say, I am the light of the world, without you saying, that's sacrilegious? How can you say that? Now, the unfortunate thing is that the devil has blinded most people, Christians, so when you say that, the exact reaction that happens is exactly what happened to Jesus in John 8. The Pharisees say, oh, that's not possible. You're talking abomination. And Jesus points to them and says, listen, I have a connection with the Father. If you read the rest of John 8. And that's exactly why we have an opportunity, every one of us, to be a light of the world. And when I saw these scriptures so clearly, and I got that revelation of it, so to speak, that the opportunity was not just for Jesus to be the light of the world, but for me to be the light of the world at work, at home, for you children at school. All of you have an opportunity to be the light of the world. This becomes an incredible promise. It's sort of like this check that's cashed somewhere in your bank account and you never took it out. Imagine if you had a number of different checks that were deposited by someone who really loved you in all the banks that you had. And you never discovered this till your deathbed. And someone came to you and said, listen, did you know that you had a million dollars here and a million dollars there and a million dollars there? And you're like, why didn't you tell me that? That's unfortunately what a lot of these scriptures are to many Christians, certainly to non-Christians, but for many of us Christians too, because we don't cash them. What does that mean to cash them? Lord, if your promise is for me to be the light of the world, how am I going to do that? I'm going to be the light of the world. And that means I'm going to follow your scriptures to what it means to be the light. So how was Jesus the light of the world? And we see that very, very clearly uh, in John 1.4. Okay, it's very simple. Scripture is so simple when we read it. In him, that's Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men, the light of the world. So Lord, make me more like Jesus. Make, give me that life. That every day can manifest a little bit of that spiritual taste of Jesus. And through that journey, I will become the light of the world. 
And every one of you, brother, sister, young child, has that promise. And we see, and the other thing that helps me as I'm trying to be a light of the world, and I'll share some of the things that have been applicable to me in the workplace, and then I've got a chair here for a couple that I want to interview who um, uh, I believe are trying to do that in their home, uh, being a light in the world at home. And then I want to say a few words to the kids as it relates to school, since we have kids here too. The work, the home, the school. But one of the things that also help, helps me is to look at role models, both uh, in the scripture and in real life, that were lights in the world. And plenty in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament are role models. All of us know the story of Joseph. The amazing thing, for those of you in your 20s, people tell you the most formative years of your life are your 20s. You've got to find that best job. You're going to finish your college education. If you read the story of Joseph, he spent his entire 20s in jail. Why? Because he was faithful. He did not submit to the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And then he was thrown in jail. He thought he was going to escape jail because somebody would remember him. And even that person who said he would remember him forgot him and he was in jail for longer. But he was faithful. Now, he didn't have the promise. Until Jesus came, there was no promise, you will be the light of the world. But these folks just had a fear of God. And that was their understanding of what it meant to be a light. Daniel, the same story. Again, a teenager, probably 17, 18 years old. Stayed faithful among all his other um, folks from Israel who were brought in as captives. He was the only one who didn't compromise. When they were offered the wine and the, the meat, he said, listen, I want water and vegetables. Not because he was a vegetarian, okay? He feared God and he said, you know, maybe this, this meat and wine has been offered to idols and I have a conviction that I'm going to honor God. And God was faithful to him. I love that story. At the end of that story it says, Daniel was ten times smarter than all the other people because he honored God. It didn't happen. And you can hold on to that promise. Maybe it's not, Lord, make my, ten, my IQ ten times smarter. But I pray that prayer at work. Lord, make me ten times more productive um, today because maybe everybody else is wasting their time on Facebook at work. Okay, I'm going to get my work done. And you think God can't honor that? I'm here to tell you 1 Samuel 2.30, those who honor God, God will honor. It is so true. It's a small part of my testimony. Last, year I had, last week I had the privilege of celebrating my 50-year birthday. Okay? I praise God for that. And it's not granted to me that I will live another year, another day. God might take me at the end of the sermon. We have no idea. It says in the Bible, appointed for a man to live three scores and ten, maybe seven years. My dad will turn 80 this year. Some of you are older than that. Some of your friends have died earlier than that. But I will tell you, in the short part of my life, certainly a lot of what I've said, there are wonderful stories. There was the, the king of that country was a, a man named Barak, and he, there was not a single man there who was attentive to God's. So what does God do? He uses two women, Deborah, okay, and a sister named Jael. Before there were Navy SEALs, there was Sister Jael. Do you know what she does? She basically gets the, 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 the enemy. Think of that. This is more intense. This is more intense than catching Osama bin Laden. They catch the enemy, Sisera. Somehow, mysteriously, this guy lands up. She and a couple of people trap him in her tent. She tells a couple of guards, if anybody asks for Sisera, distract them. 
and he says he's thirsty. He doesn't realize that uh, Sister Jail is actually um, a commando, so to speak. Okay? She, uh, he asks for some water. Uh, she gives him milk. More than water, but maybe there was something in the milk. And he falls asleep, and she hits a nail into his head and kills him. This was the enemy. So if God can't use men, he'll use anybody. And, and don't think it's just, you know, um, uh, there's God's no respecter of age or gender uh, or ethnicity. He's going to use whoever he can. Sister Deborah and Sister Jail are great examples. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter. I love Peter. All of us know the story of Peter. He denied Jesus three times, and then the day of Pentecost when he was anointed, here was this transformed man. And when it came later for him to be killed, you know what he said? I don't deserve to be crucified the same way Jesus did. You please hang me upside down. Those are examples of people who are light. But there are a few others. Since we have children in the room, I thought to share a few other examples uh, of ones that have been more recent as inspirations to a few of you. So those of your children, pay attention. I think I've got a few uh, pictures of these folks because they lived in the last, you know, 50 to 100 years. George Mueller, we can put his picture up. An incredible man who lived in the 19th century for, from 1805 to 1899, about almost 90 years. This guy actually started off as a young kid, as a prankster. Grew up in Germany before he went to England. And in his own biography, he says... He was, you know, at an early age, more interested in being in the bar. But then God radically converted him. And then he moved to England, and he started to take care of orphans. One by one by one. Over his entire life, it said he took care of 10,000 orphans. And some of the stories of George Mueller are incredible. They're absolutely incredible and faith-inspiring. Let me just tell you a few. Okay. There was one day when he was taking care of 300 orphans and they had no food. No food, no milk. And the normal tradition was they'd get there and he said, listen, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. I don't care that there's no food, there's no bread, there's no milk. We're going to pray. So you got the 300 orphans. They were all praying. And as they just said, amen, thank you, Lord, for this food that you provided us. In Jesus' name, amen, the doorbell rings. And a baker stops by and says, listen, I couldn't sleep last night. Because I was so touched by your ministry, I baked more loaves of bread just for you. No sooner, a few minutes passed, and a milkman knocks on the door and says, Listen, I was about to drive into London, and my milk van had a flat tire just outside the orphanage. You think God cannot honor those who honor him? Just outside the orphanage. And that was the bread and the milk they needed that, that day. Fifty years later, George Mueller was traveling from England to Quebec, to, to Canada, and he was supposed to preach at a, a meeting in, in Canada. And um, um, the fog and the seas was so, those days you didn't fly, you took a ship over. The fog was so thick, it was looking like he was going to miss getting to Canada in time. So he goes up to meet the captain, and the captain, he tells him, listen, I, my, the meeting I'm supposed to preach at is on such and such a day. And the captain says, no way we're going to get it. The fog is so thick, we're going to be probably 24 hours late. So, you know, you know what George Mueller said? I serve a heavenly captain, captain. If you don't mind, can we just come into this room and pray that the fog lifts? And the captain was a heathen person, didn't have any faith in God. Yeah, humor this guy. Went into the, went into the room and prayed with... George Mueller did, kept his eyes open, didn't really care. At the end of it, George Mueller said, 
I'm praying, and I just finished the prayer, and he looked out, the fog was starting to lift, and the captain didn't believe it. Sure enough, the fog lifted, and he was able to get that. George Mueller was an incredible man of faith and prayer, a hero of mine. Look at another one, William Booth, okay? I think I have his photo up here too. Lived around that same time too, 83 years. This guy fought for poverty. Again, these were people who were friends of the poor. He fought and fought for poverty. Those of you who know the organization Salvation Army was started by him. Let me read a quote of his that's, that's inspired me. William Booth said, for every woman that weeps, I'll fight. For every child that goes hungry, I'll fight. For every man that, that goes to prison, and in and out, and as they do, I'll fight. And for every drunkard in the street, for every poor little girl wandering on the streets, where there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight. And he formed an army to fight. Salvation Army. Praise God for beacons of light like this. William Booth. Okay, let's take another example. I just want to show you a few of these that have inspired me. Eric Little, all of us know that movie, uh, Chariots of Fire. Here was somebody in 1924, the fastest man uh, in the Olympics who uh, was going to win the 100 meters. The heats for the 100 meters was on a Sunday, and he said, I'm not going to run because I have a conviction that I'm going to honor God. And he um, didn't have an opportunity the 100 meters. Somebody else won that. But fortunately, he was able to run the 400 meters, which was not his event. God gave him some supernatural strength. And as he stood at the uh, starting blocks of the 400 meters, this other person who was so inspired by his story walked up to him and dropped a little paper in his, paper in his hand. And on that paper, do you know what was written? 1 Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor. Eric Little went on to, to win that race and then went on to be a missionary in heaven, a missionary in China, and then went to be with the Lord in heaven at a very young age, in his 40s. He died of brain cancer. There are many others that are more recent. Reggie White, I like this. Most of you love football. This guy was called the Minister of Defense. One of the most incredible linebackers that's ever played that game. But I'll, I'll share a line of his that struck me. He says, listen, I always believed since the time I was a kid, that God allowed me to play football, to use it as a platform to proclaim the name of Jesus and not football. That's the most exciting part of my life. Also died at a young age. Amy Carmichael. Again, it's not just men. Women in my home country. Here was a woman who was born in incredible wealth. Her father died at a young age. And little by little, her mom and her several children became poorer and poorer and poorer. Lost a lot of the, the, the wealth that the father had left, left with them. Um, and she decided to become a missionary. And she went to India. And she served and served orphans in the early 19th century. So much so that many of these thousands of orphans would call her Amma, which in, in Indian languages mean mother, mommy. She had an incredible impact. In fact, probably the person you're more familiar with Mother Teresa is really the sort of sequel to Amy Carmichael, 50 years later, won a Nobel Peace Prize. Incredible. One that's more recent, if you were watching the 2016 Olympics, many of you probably know her. She's at Stanford campus. I picked somebody who's still alive, okay? <laughs> Simone Manuel. Many of you who are at Stanford know who she is. I love this, this sister. She's a sister in Christ because when she won, she's the fastest um, swimmer, Women's swimmer right now. Maybe she'll, she'll compete against in 2020. 
first African-American to win the gold for the 100-meter swimming. But she said this when she was interviewed at the end of her winning that, uh, that first race in the 100 meters. She says, listen, she told the NBC reporter, all I can say in this is this, to God be the glory. Isn't that incredible? On her Twitter page is Philippians 14 that says, we all know, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. These are the witnesses that all of us have. Some of them passed on, some of them still alive, that can encourage us to be a light. It is absolutely possible. I want to encourage every one of you. And I have three things that I will share with you that have helped me. And I want to share a little bit about my own, um, uh, you know, ways in which the Lord's helped me do that work. We'll cover a little bit of the home uh, and then in school. Number one, it all starts with humility. It always all starts with humility. I think there's, there's sort of like Newton's law, right? New, we all know Newton's law. When you drop something here, it's going to fall. It's called the law of gravity. There is a law of gravity in the Bible too. Okay? Let me read it for you. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It's a simple law. It says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's almost like this. You try to go up like a helium balloon, he's going to bring you down. God's opposed to the proud. But I'll tell you what. You want to experience grace over your life, there's a simple principle. Go down. Humble yourself. Okay, this is the first law of being a light. Humble yourself, stay humble, stay humble, stay humble, and God gives you grace. All of these examples of people we watch, at the core of them, they're incredible, humble people. The person we, we follow sought to be a servant leader, Jesus. Number two, these are very simple. All of us can do these. Number two, be faithful. I've shared this before when I spoke here in January. The most important thing... Is, I mean, the, the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley celebrates wealth and success. None of that's going to matter when you die. None of that's going to matter. You can't take any of that to the grave. You certainly can't take any of that to heaven. But you can take this to heaven. Matthew 25, 23. Imagine you stand in front of God, okay, almighty God who created you, okay, where this little baby we prayed for, the couple yesterday, I told them, your baby Abigail's already in heaven rejoicing. We will all be there. We will be reunited with baby Abigail. But when you're there, what do you want God to say to you? Congratulations on all the awards that you won on earth. Congratulations on all the degrees. Wow, how big was your bank account? Not at all. Here's what we want him to say. Well done, good and faithful servant. The most important thing is not how successful you are. I didn't say how well done, how good and successful servant. That's what the Silicon Valley celebrates. Good, well done, good, faithful. What does faithful take? It takes means that every day we're doing what we're told to do, wherever it is. Right? And it doesn't need to be, see, the, the ministry that's visible. Maybe it's singing or speaking the word that's visible. That's, that's the lips. This nail is very faithful. To me. Do you know when? When I have an itch. The tongue can do nothing about this itch. Right? So don't feel small just because you're a nail in the body of Christ. God's got a place for you. Super important place for you. And one day we're going to see that in heaven because we're going to watch these people who have been faithful. Mothers with many children who have been faithful. Nobody saw them. But God's going to say, well done, you good and faithful child. Someone who was not visible. 
serving in a ministry here, serving at home, serving in a, in a mission field, maybe going to Mexico. And the third part, there are books written. If you go to the, to the secular bookstores, you will see books written about happiness. How to achieve happiness. The world is looking for happiness. All these people who have achieved wealth and success in corporate jobs, many of them are the most miserable people. I can tell you because I hang around some of them. Okay? They're not happy. Homes are miserable. Marriages in tatters. Right? What's the secret to joy? There are books written about this. What's the secret to joy? Lifetime of joy. Simple. Again, go to the scriptures. Hebrews 1.9. You want a full-time place with that light. I was asking my kids yesterday. Let me ask the kids now. If you have a candle or a, um, a lamp that's filled with oil and the light goes out, what's the likely situation, kids? If you have a candle or a lamp filled with oil and the light goes up, well, the candle drove out or the oil, the oil ran out, Right? How do we make sure we have a perennial supply of oil? Hebrews 1.9. You have loved righteousness and hated sin. Therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness. It's a very simple recipe. It's just like we talked about humble yourself and you receive grace. Be proud and you'll be opposed by God. He doesn't say, listen, overcome sin all the time and you'll be full of oil of gladness. That's, of course, our goal. Our attitude of heart needs to be we hate sin. Love righteousness and hate sin. And of course, God's going to do the rest of the work through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we are reveling in sin, it's impossible to, be, to have the oil of gladness. It's a very simple recipe here. Love righteousness, hate sin, you'll be full of joy. So how do we apply this now in the three settings we're in? Typically, all of us are working, those of us who are at that age and stage, or at home, or at school. Okay? I've shared this before, but these are, I would encourage every one of you in the workplace, write down the values that you want to live by. Write them down, okay, for yourself. Make them personal. I've put five up here out of the ten that I've written. I've talked about them many times at this pulpit, but I just want to share a few of them once again. Um, and I, there's no way I would say that I've achieved perfection in either living or, or believing all of them in the fullest sense. Maybe that will happen when I finally retire or I die. But that's my goal. Lord, make me more like this every single day. Here are five. Lord, make me remember every day, I just turned 50, that my life is like vapor. Tomorrow you might take me. And my true citizenship is not at VMware. It's not to be the chief operating officer of VMware. My true citizenship is in heaven. I'm kind of on this temporary visitor visa here. Okay, at VMware or in the Silicon Valley. My true citizenship is in heaven. Number two, okay, wherever, let it not be said of us in the workplace that we're slothful. Work hard. If God grants you success, give the glory to God, just like Simone Manuel did. Right? Don't take it to the glory to yourself. And fall on your knees in humility, especially when you get success. People come to you and say you've been so successful. That's exactly the time. That you need to say, Lord, I have a tendency now to go up. I have a tendency to be proud. And it's amazing. I found after I get a little compliment, there's something that humbles me a day later. <laughs> who planned that? God did. Isn't that amazing? Those who honor God, God will honor. He planned that exact thing for me to, to humble myself. I'm great. I will be a servant leader. Talk about humility. And, and as you have more responsibility, and certainly those of you who are in more and more visible roles. you got to pray the Lord will keep you humble. 
And if you have responsibility for people who you manage above you or below you or around you, be a witness and an encourager to that person. Ask yourself, how can I be an encouragement every single day to one person at work? You know, Dale Carnegie wrote this book called How to Win Friends and Influence People. I don't know if he was a Christian or not. But he said there are two words that people say the least often in the workplace. Do you know what those are? Thank you. They take people for granted. Right? Start by doing that. That's actually pretty simple. <laughs> it says in the Bible, in everything give thanks. You know, I don't know, Dale Carnegie took it from the Bible. But maybe he did. In everything give thanks. I will be careful with my words and actions. I can't tell you the number, even unfortunately Christians, who cuss during meetings or when they're upset. Okay? Do you think God can't give us control of our tongue? He absolutely can. How can something that has got good, you know, character inside spit out bad, you know, fruit? That's what the Bible says. If there's good water inside, how can bad water come out? Pray the Lord would. And number five, I will be on fire for God, seeking to be a change agent in everything we do. So those are examples of the workplace. Now I'd like to cover uh, a little bit of the home. But to do that, I figured I got three kids who are 13 and twins who are nine. I need to learn. I'm learning. I'm, you know, I want to learn from people who have more kids than me or kids who are older than me. And fortunately, we have plenty here in, in Abundant Life that I can learn from. Okay? So I wanted to bring up a couple that have been very special friends of mine and special friends of our church, Anthony and Janelle Stafford. Can you come up? Just give them a warm welcome as they come up. Welcome. Hey, Janelle. Hey, Anthony. Come on, have a seat. Maybe grab that microphone, Anthony. And I thought we'd talk to them a little bit. Can we put up the picture of Anthony and Janelle's family? Isn't that a beautiful family? And they're, uh, they're five wonderful children. Maybe Anthony and Janelle, you could start by introducing your beautiful family there. Is it working? Yeah, it's on. Okay. There we go. <laughs> um, so we have Kylie here. She's uh, 14 years old. Um, Janae, our 21-year-old, our firstborn. We have uh, Caleb and Carter. Um, they're three years old. Um, they're twins. And then we have Caden. That's 11. So awesome. Can we give that a hand? Give them a hand. Many of you know Anthony and Janelle. I've loved their witness for the Lord and their heart for the Lord. Tell us a little bit, brother and sister, um, you know, how do you manage this, this, this continuum from 20 down to 3? <laughs> uh, definitely by the grace of God. I mean, we, um, it, it gets really chaotic at times, but um, the Lord is good, and he just gives us strength to get through each day. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not always easy. You know, it's a challenge at times, and we just um, really try to instill in our children um, just the power of prayer. Um, we try to be, a, you know, a praying family. Um, we like to um, just, we really want our kids to feel comfortable in coming to us with whatever it is that they're dealing with. Um, we want that open door policy and we feel that um, it just give us, gives us opportunities to share God's love and just, just you know, pray with them and um, just, you know, help them through the process. Being of alive. Life. Yeah. Anthony, any perspective from your side? Yeah, I think it's kind of, I mean, to piggyback what my wife was saying in terms of just kind of reorienting our life. When we get saved, you know, really we're in a transition and we're fighting against the flesh and, and learning through that process of being a parent is, you know, it's not about you, you know, and, and 
Christianity at its essence, it's about Christ. And, you know, reorienting our life around uh, Christ and how we lead our family as a husband and how I, you know, I, I lead with my wife. And that's modeling that to our kids in terms of trickling that down and looking out for the needs of other people. I think with this church being a part of this church for, you know, almost 18 years now, um, just seeing, you know, people that are mission-oriented, you know, are gospel-centered and, and seeing that and in, in living in community where you see other people that have the same mindset and are going in the same direction, um, you know, we're all in this together, you know, as a family of God, and we're kind of a microcosm of a bigger family. So. That's awesome. Now, listen, there's always victories and challenges uh, when you have this, and, and uh, you know, what are some of those things that are practical things the Lord has shown you, ways in which if you were to share some advice uh, for those of us who are, you know, following your example, so to speak, with kids who are younger, um, uh, might take away. I think some of the victories are just um, seeing our children just bear some of the fruit that we've poured into them, you know, um, just Christ-like character, having compassion for others, um, just really being sensitive to the spirit. Um, and then some of the challenges uh, with the three-year-old twins, um, I feel that we just, it's, it's hard to make that one-on-one -on -one time with the older girls. Um, it just, you know, it gets really crazy sometimes, but um, just trying to make that time. You know, they know that they always can come to mom and dad for anything, but, you know, having that actual one-on-one -on -one time with them. And, Anthony, one of the things many of us men struggle with is work-life balance, right? We got a job, you're, you're, you know, driving around, probably going various different places, right. but you also want to be available and present at home. How do you, how do you make that balance happen? Well, I think, I think it's really, uh, you know, like in your sermon talked about, just being spirit-led. And, and we have to be tethered to God. You know, and that's a, it's a day in a day out thing. And, uh, you know, it's like John 15, you know, apart from him, we can't do anything. And so I, th I think it's really important for us as men to really be, you know, prioritize God and he will give us direction. He'll give us wisdom and speak into, you know, the needs of our children because they're all different. We have five different individuals, you know, collectively as a family, but they all, you know, God has wired them differently. And if you look at the Gospels, I mean, that was Jesus. I mean, he had, you know, 12 disciples, and they were just, you know, it was a motley crew. They were all different in how God wired them. You know, you see John, you know, laying up on Jesus. You know, the other disciples were, you know, kind of angry. And, uh, and Peter was just a roughneck, you know. And so it's just the, the, the dynamic of, of your family and kind of really getting to know them, it just requires time, That's you awesome. know, and try to balance that. You know, obviously we're, you know, like you said, at work we're called to work unto the Lord and make that difference, but also at home, make, ensuring that we spend time with our family because that's our, our greatest ministry. That's awesome. Um, listen, just to kind of close, um, what words of advice would you have here for other couples uh, who are either early in their parenting or, uh, you know, are kind of got older and grown up kids? I think just availability um, and just being faithful uh, and, and also, to your point, being teachable. I always say that, like, the fat principle, faithful, available, and teachable. And uh, living that out in our, in our family, um, you know, just being faithful, you know, just the importance of prioritizing, you know, it's, it's not, you know, from a legalistic perspective of, you know, being at church or, you know, reading your Bible. Um, I think it, one of the biggest things for us is just trying to, you know, influence our kids through how we live our life. It's kind of show and tell. Amen. You know, and it's kind of that collaboration of, you know, what we say, um, but also how we live our life. You know, it's because they're, you know, things are caught, not taught. 
You know, it's like when you're around somebody who has a cold, eventually you're going to catch the cold. And it's like modeling that to our kids. Amen. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you, Brother Anthony, Sister yeah. Janelle. Thank you for being here. Can we give them a hand? It's such a joy to, have, to, to see uh, couples like this that are, we're all on a journey. I got to tell you, being a parent has been one of the most humbling aspects of my life, uh, Kathy and my life. And we are just seeking the Lord to just say, Lord, how do we, how do we parent better? Uh, I may have figured out some of the things that work, but I haven't yet figured out how to be a better dad. How can I be a better husband? And the good news is God keeps us humble. Uh, finally, for those of you at, at, at school, okay, let me just say this as I close to the children. I love one of the things that's a joy for me the second Sunday uh, of every month I get to um, serve in Safari Kids. And, you know, I think I kind of got things figured out with my three. And then you have like 20 or 30 of them and it makes you really, really humble. But, you know, a couple of things that I, I would just encourage all of your children, right, at school. These are the ways in which you can be a light. Um, and these are things that I share with my own children. Number one, be respectful. Be respectful to those. It should never be said of you children uh, here in Abundant Life that you were disrespectful to your teacher, uh, to your authority, certainly to your parents. But be respectful, to, certainly to those older than you. Be obedient. These are all things that it says it will go well with you. Children obey your parents and it will go well with you. Um, and you might not, you know, think everything that your parents are saying is the right thing. As you get older, you think they're old-fashioned. But honor them and be obedient. Be hardworking. It's really important that we teach our children and all of your children at some point in time that becomes your own responsibility to not be slothful but to be hardworking. Those are skills that will last with you for life. I have a number of folks who are... In their 30s and 40s, when I talk to them and I, you know, they say, listen, I just wish I would learned a better work ethic earlier in my teenage years. Don't worry if you are unpopular. That's one of the things that I struggled with and all of us struggle with as kids. Right? The popular, I want to be the in crowd. I want to be popular. Jesus was the most unpopular person. He says he was like a sheep led to a slaughter. I bet when he was in school, he was the most unpopular kid in school. Paul Short, short, bald person. A lot of these people that we follow as examples weren't popular. Daniel, probably not popular at all. Shunned by all of his friends. And it doesn't mean we have to be completely lonely. God will bring us other Christians. I got to tell you that the biggest thing to me that's been a joy is the fact that in the places where I've been the most unpopular, God's given me just one or two other people who become that circle of friends. We don't need 50 friends, but if there's two or three who are gathered, God can be honored in that. And most of all, don't compromise. This world is filled with people who are compromising. In other words, let's just go with the flow. It's like fish, right? Swimming upstream, they say, is really, really tough. It's just easy to swim downstream. We got to develop that backbone. Um, all of us, all of you children, develop that backbone before you leave home at age 18. That even if it's not the popular thing to do, some way you remember, a Sunday school teacher taught you that. Or someone in the pulpit, or your parents told you that. Stand up for God. Let me end with a story. Okay? All of us know four years ago there was a, one of the most tragic events that happened on June 7, 2015 in a church in Charleston, South Carolina. A white supremacist walked in on a Wednesday night Bible study and shot nine people. Three others were critically injured but survived. And the nation just, I mean, this was one of the most tragic things that have ever happened. Actually, since then, there's been another 
tragic um, event that happened in church where more people died. But this was one of the first things that just shook the country. In the ensuing few days, the country was filled with grief. But images started to show up in many parts of the news networks. I remember watching the CNN and I was in tears. Small teenage kids in circles, coming around in circles around every church. And you know what they were singing? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And amazing grace. A few days later, President Obama came to a memorial service. And he sang Amazing Grace, the first time a president sung Amazing Grace at any memorial service. And that's what we're called to be. Teenage kids began to show that city of Charleston, South Carolina, that there could be love and that we could be lights in the world. In the midst of utter darkness, this was probably the most darkest event that had ever happened on a weekday Bible study. Teenage kids were showing the world you could be light. So all of you children... It doesn't matter. God's no respecter of age. If he can't uh, have the adults bring food, he'll use a little kid who has five loaves and two fish, okay, to feed the 5,000. He'll use whoever. So give your life to Jesus, wherever you are, uh, whatever age and stage you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this message of being a light in the world would grip some one person today to make a change. We live in a world that's full of darkness, absolutely full of darkness. But one person here is all it takes to shine a light in a dark world, and then there's light. And then another person decides he or she is going to be a witness. Then a child decides he or she is going to be a witness. And then all of a sudden, this place is filled with light. The Silicon Valley that's full of darkness, Lord, can be filled with light. And I pray that you would grip one person today who is struggling with something, that you can change their life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Change our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts. It starts with our heart. Show us repentance and bring us closer to you, Lord, that we might be lights in this world. If we've struggled, Lord, I pray that today can be a brand new day. Bring someone closer to Jesus. If we've backtracked and if we've backslidden, May today be a day of new beginnings, Lord. You are planned for every one of our lives. We don't know how long you have for days uh, for us to live. You took a baby 37 weeks, unfortunately, yesterday, and we rejoice that she's in heaven. You may take us any point in time, Lord, and I pray we be prepared to meet our master and ready to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.